Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week, we're taking as our theme, Used and Abused, Is There a Place for Biblical Morality in the Third Millennium? Today, uh, today we're asking, what is the role of biblical family? Yesterday, uh, we asked, uh, what are the foundational pillars of morality? Today, our co-host is uh, Eric Hoare. Now, Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you again, Eric. Well, thank you, Gary. Is that really you? It's so great to have it you back. It is, actually. It is wonderful to be back um, sharing with everybody once again. I've really missed our listeners. I've really missed this ministry while I've had my uh, uh, my little break. Yeah, it's it was great having Pastor William here covering for you while you were gone, but it's really great to have you back and uh, in the flesh. I can vouch for that. Uh, Ah, uh, yeah. No, no, no. It, it, it really is good to be here live with our listeners um, every Tuesday, Wednesday. It is a fantastic thing. But look, tell us something, Eric. Uh, how, how is life treating you now? Uh, you're pastoring over at the uh, uh, Adelaide uh, Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's an indigenous church. What have you been up to? Well, we've uh, been pretty busy lately. We had our um, uh, a day just recently where we had Harmony Day, where we gathered with the um, Aboriginal folks at uh, the Salisbury Council, the lovely uh, hub of it. Nobody's been to the Salisbury hub right in the centre of Salisbury there, just near the railway station. You should go there. It's got a wonderfully big library and a mm-hmm. beautiful new building there. And uh, on Harmony Day, it's it's a harmony for all the uh, different groups that are in Australia, all the different So this is groups. cross-cultural? Cross, cross-cultural. Yes, we saw um, oh, all sorts of uh, different vibrant uh, outfits and um, national costumes and beautiful singing too that was done by all and the Aboriginal group actually led the parade at the front with the Aboriginal flag and an Aboriginal welcome and then we had you know like uh, there's some Indian people, Chinese, Filipinos, there was a whole mixture Greek all in their costumes it was such a sight and uh, they have it once a year so really worth doing and of course uh, while you're away we went to Unidata for a funeral that was a long trip I think it was about something like 13 hours straight um, wow. And and there was a funeral there, which was great to catch up with the indigenous people there. And then uh, this morning, uh, it's been a busy time. We had a craft group where we were doing some crafts, and the ladies were making um, uh, scarves out of Aboriginal colours. Uh, tomorrow, we've got a Bible study with a, a new lady that's coming along. That's just out of the blue popped up and said look can I come to Bible study in church so Pastor David Fletcher will be picking her up way down south and bringing her in wow. so we're picking up people all the time and uh, and it's great and uh, at Unidata we had actually um, three people request baptism which is great So at a funeral uh, yes, it's amazing. Well, you know, we don't <laughs> we don't see them uh, often. Uh, the folks way out there, and as we travel through, uh, one of the ladies who had been studying for a while, she just one of the sisters actually of the deceased, come over and just said, "Look, I want to be baptized." I think sometimes funeral touches just 
touches people's it hearts. It does. It does. Because the call is that Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. and and that made it. And then there was two young people came forward also. So that's something Pastor David and I will be going back sometime later this year. We're we're having studies with them, so that'll be great. So yeah. a lot happening. Yeah. I know. I had actually had the privilege at one point of um, also uh, leading a funeral out at Udna Data a number of a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Again for a an indigenous uh, gentleman, and uh, to me it was a, it was an incredible. Pre- Privilege to be able to go, you know, out there to to that particular location. And the thing that really stood out to me uh, is that certainly uh, many of our indigenous people have a depth of spirituality that the you know secular um, white man uh, doesn't have to the same extent. How, how do you find it? I find that the same way. Um, <clears throat> they don't hold back. They will ask all sorts of questions, yes. but they're not guarded on what um, religion it is. Though they just want to know about Jesus. Christ, basically, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and and they know that things are happening that uh, that frightens them, yeah. COVID and other things, and so um, yeah, we find that uh, when we come together, it's such a wonderful. I find it a real privilege to actually be amongst them and to go to Earn and Data and see them where they live was an extra dimension for me because I've I haven't been out there to see some of them that have moved there and to see their homes and where they live and sit and chat with them. That's all part of of um, spreading the gospel and just, you know, connecting with people yeah. and making friends yeah. and it's a yeah. privilege to be yeah. there. Although it was 40 degrees, flies everywhere, I couldn't open my mouth, which is probably a good thing at times. Did you stay at the Pink Roadhouse? I <laughs> know. No, I took a picture of it. I actually took a picture of the Pink Road. About the only thing that's standing there, really. It but they've had a lot of they've had a lot of floods there yeah. over the Unandata uh, yeah. track, and it is a track, but it, the yeah. road isn't too bad now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I well remember going there when it, when I did go up there and I, I ran that particular funeral. I remember sitting with the family. It was actually around a campfire mm. and uh, uh, preparing for the funeral the evening before. And uh, to me, that was an incredible blessing. And can I say, I, I believe the family actually blessed me. Um, and I hope I was able to to bless uh, each of uh, each of those lovely uh, lovely people. Um, but look, Eric, let's come to um, our our Christian uh, uh, headlines at the moment. You know, just uh, I, I'm conscious that in the uh, news at the present time, of course, Ukraine is really uh, probably front and centre so regularly. I mean, it's horrific what's occurring over there. Uh, on the uh, Christian Headlines uh, website just, just today, I picked up a, a, an article that was entitled uh, How Christian Aid Groups Are Helping in Ukraine. And, of course, uh, this was uh, uh, this really jumped out at me because, you know, the emphasis was on the, the Christian aid groups. And uh, this, is, this is what it said, whether it's Bibles or babies, be food or a way out of the country. Many Christian organizations are stepping up to help displaced and needy Ukrainian citizens who are now a month into Russia's invasion of the country. Thousands have fled Ukraine as the violence has continued. Reports say about 3.4 million refugees have fled Ukraine in less than a month. This is horrendous. Another 6.5 have been displaced internally within Ukraine. 
Uh, many refugees have fled to Poland, which is now housing about 2 million refugees. You know, most of these are, are women and, and children, older folk, uh, people who, who really uh, struggle with, uh, um, uh, with, with maintaining, maintaining life without some sort of support. Uh, on Friday, the Christian group that helps people living with disabilities, Joni and Friends, staged a rescue operation of some 50 people with disabilities and their caregivers from eastern Ukraine. According to a press release obtained by Christian Headlines, the rescue was the group's sixth caravan into Ukraine to rescue people. On average, about 50 to 60 people have been taken to safety on each rescue mission to Poland from Ukraine as part of the effort. For many refugees, the needs are basic and that's why uh, World Vision an international Christian aid organisation has been working to provide hygiene and child-friendly kits to those in need. The group has also sent a team to Romania to help with incoming refugees. Uh, if you talk to, to Franklin Graham, whose organisation is still there, uh, God calls us uh, to go into crisis areas to help those who are most vulnerable, said Franklin Graham, the president of Samaritan's Purse. As the conflict escalates in Ukraine, our international disaster response teams with doctors, nurses and other specialists are equipped and ready to help people in Jesus' name. We want them to know that God loves them. He hasn't forgotten them. And that's why the help isn't just for their spiritual needs, but it actually significantly includes spiritual needs. Uh, one, uh, one comment from the Ukrainian Bible societies. They discovered that Bibles were in short supply just before the Russian invasion. Uh, and the American Bible Society agreed to work to provide access to Bibles. According to the group, priests and pastors began requesting Bibles as their congregations heard rumors of war. The group says the need will continue to grow as the conflict rages on. Through a worldwide network of Bible societies operating in more than 240 countries and territories, we're able to do cost-efficient print runs of resources in Ukrainian and help pave the way for Bible-based trauma healing, which will become critical as people cope with the long-lasting trauma of crisis, the American Bible study said in its statement. Now, you know, Eric, as I sort of read this, there was a couple of things that I suppose really jumped out at me. Look, do you think, I mean, so often we think of these aid organisations as being, you know, organisations that benefit the, uh, I suppose, the social needs of the, of the world, and they certainly do do that. But do you think people understand the Christian origin of so many Aid organisations. It's a good question, Gary, and I think that um, I think that people do understand that you know a lot of the organisations, but there are some that they do not understand. I, I think Adra is not that well known, and that's the Adventist 
um, Disaster and Relief Organisation, and that I have read recently has been helping as well. Yes. Uh, so there's many in there that are helping, and you know it, it is a call to, to distress areas. And what a better way than for a Christian organisations to come and help? I think some do, but I think the the uh, ones that we understand, like Salvation Army and others that we see close to home. But I think there's other organisations that maybe people don't understand the Christian background that's actually there. On yeah. Them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of mixed, I think, that some yes and some no. Um, but such a great need, and it's great that they're actually stepping in uh, to help in such a way. I mean, I recently saw um, on the television there were people that were fleeing across to Poland, and they said, you know, where are you going to go? And they said, well, we don't know where we're going. Yeah. We, we've got nothing. We're just going to cross the border, and we don't even we don't know where we're starting tonight or what's going to happen to yeah. us. So they were crossing over that way. In fact, um, just talking about people being helped, uh, my wife loves cats, as you know, and even those that are leaving their animals behind. There's a lot of animals over there that are uh, sort of being uh, abandoned. The things there's actually an organisation that organised a big truck, and Poland has agreed to accept these animals in, and they've actually trucked a lot of those pets and things over to Poland. Are actually keeping wow. them there. In the meantime, so there's a lot going behind the scenes that yeah. you and I don't, we wouldn't even think about happens because we're so far away from it. Yeah. But there's a lot of repercussions with all of this yeah. that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I, I suppose I'm so conscious that so many Christian aid organisations have actually, I suppose, uh, developed simply because they they understand the command of Christ was mm. actually to you know to serve the poor to heal the brokenhearted mm. you know to to raise up those who are sick and are suffering and mm. you know in com- obeying the command of Christ mm. they're actually benefiting the society in which in which they live but look let me just ask you another question um, why do you think that there's actually a demand. I mean, according to this article, there's a demand for Bibles. Now, I sort of understand that in times of, you know, refugee crises, in, you know, in a time of war, you know, I, I understand how, you know, there's a demand for food, for shelter, for medicine, you know, for support, for physical support, but a demand for Bibles? I mean, is that something that, I mean, is that something you, you would expect? Yeah, I do actually. I've seen them flocking into the churches over there. Uh, there's been scene after scene of that. And I think that they're, they're looking for um, uh, the supernatural power to help them through, through Christ. And um, I think that um, as they see the effects and what's happening to them, I mean, you look at what's happened here, Gary, with the things that have come across us lately. It is sending people here uh, into a break uh, breakdown where they're trying to think of what's going on, what's happening, what's what's the, what's going on, what's causing all this, and it makes them start stop to start and to search and to think about things. And I've had a, a lot of people uh, have been actually asking for Bibles here. The Aboriginal people we have an Aboriginal Bible for them, and we've been we've been having more requests for those lately as well. And I think it's it's really making people stop and think about this old earth, how it's going to end. And what the Bible actually says about rumours of wars and wars happening, I think they've, some people in the past have read that and then they, it sort of stayed in them and they, they're thinking, hey, I've, re- I, I've seen that this will happen, what's taking place now? So it's turning them back towards the scriptures and so they want to see for it themselves and they're turning up in the churches as well. Wow, yeah. wow. Yeah, look, look, Eric, I appreciate what you've actually said there. Now, look, you just mentioned something that I'd just like us to pick up on if I can because that uh, the call for spiritual direction 
direction is certainly I'm conscious of is certainly impacting our society right now. But look, you mentioned that there's an Aboriginal Bible. Mm. Is that correct? Yes, it's, a, it's an English uh, version Bible that's been actually um, specially printed by the Bible Society uh, for the Aboriginal people. So it's it's, it's easy understanding language. Right. Uh, in the front you've actually got pictures of Jesus ministering to Aboriginal people. Uh, it's even got some of our pastors from the Seventh-day Adventist Church, that, some of the past ones. Uh, well, Pastor Don Felberg, who, who's in it. Pastor Eric Davey, who's passed away, he's in it. Uh, baptizing people so there's pictures of actually so they can connect with some of the scenes that the Bible talks about Uh, there's a a beautiful picture of a a man who's actually um, putting his hand against the, the hotel and the devil things out there and his other hand is stretching towards Christ. So wow. it's sort of bringing it into a more of a uh, understanding. A culturally relevant uh, yes. pictures. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. and the Bible, they've actually put out Bible study guides that actually match the pages of the, of the Aboriginal Bible. So we, when we study, if they're not used to you know finding where it is, we tell them, but they can also look up the page numbers and find them quickly until they know how to find the pages. So all that's been put out through the Bible Society. Society, okay. Which is really okay. Good. Now tell us something. If people wanted to get hold of one of those Bibles, and they came, could, if they came to your church, hmm. would they be able to get hold of one? Oh, for sure. We give them out freely. You um, give them out freely. Yes. <laughs> so tell us where your church actually meets. Okay. Well, we meet at uh, Peters Wall Street in Elizabeth Downs, the um, Elizabeth um, uh, Seventh Adventist Church there. But if they did want to get one, they could maybe send a message through to, through to the station, and either myself or Pastor Dave would be happy to give them a Bible. Uh, an Aboriginal oh, look, that's a fantastic offer there. Look, if we have any of our Indigenous people who would really appreciate a uh, an Indigenous uh, Bible and maybe with the, uh, the Bible lessons that go along with it as well, look, all you need to do is to text us at our station number here. Now, our station number is 04888-80811. That number again is 04888 Eight oh eight eleven, and and we will t- and just write in your text, um, Indigenous Bible, and uh, we will contact you and uh, uh, and make sure that uh, that you get access to that uh, to that particular um, to that particular Bible. Now, look, um, some of you may may be interested to know that um, uh, what is. What are the Australian charities actually doing? I actually went on to uh, one of my favourite charities is ADRA, the Adventist Development Relief Agency. And what the reason it's actually one of the, my favourite charities is because um, the vast it has a far greater percentage of the money that you give goes directly to the project. In fact, I believe it's up around ninety percent. Um, there is a small amount that does go into into administration, but uh, with most that is far higher than is for most charities. So this is certainly the ADRA Development Relief Agency or ADRA is one of my favourite uh, uh, favourite charities. And um, uh, one of the things that I, I did was went onto their website uh, to look at what they were doing uh, for Ukraine. Now, I didn't actually realise what, uh, what I read on, on their site and uh, this, is, um, this was what was on their site. Um, the Australian charities join forces for Ukraine 
Ukraine. The Emergency Action Alliance Ukraine Appeal has warmly welcomed the Australian government's $2 million commitment to Ukraine, which will support 15 Australian humanitarian aid charities that have united to launch an unprecedented centralised appeal to help those affected by war. Now, to me, I found this um, to be wonderfully uh, refreshing uh, because here uh, what uh, what the website was telling me is, is that uh, uh, quite a number of Australian uh, charities have get banded together. The Emergency Action Appeal is made up of Action Aid Australia, Act for Peace, ADRA, Anglican Overseas Aid, Australian for the UNHCR, uh, Australian Lutheran World Service, Baptist World Aid Australia, Care Australia, Caritas Australia, uh, Child Fund Australia, Oxfam Australia, Plan International Australia, Save the Children Australia and Tear Fund Australia. I, I sort of looked at that and I sort of thought, hey, you know, for all those organisations Organizations to be coming again, uh, coming together uh, in order to support Ukraine. Now, look, if you'd like to give some support, then you can actually do that by just simply going online. Um, the address that you, you need is emergencyaction.org.au and uh, it's backslash Ukrainian Emergency Appeal. So that again is uh, emergencyaction.org.au backslash Ukrainian Ukraine emergency appeal, uh, and uh, and you can get access, and you can uh, can provide uh, provide support for uh, uh, for our people in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, well, folks, look, let's come to uh, some uh, some music. Uh, this is a, a really wonderful song, um, Faith First, and they're singing uh, where there is faith.
What a beautiful, beautiful song that uh, that is. Now, look, folks, we do have a giveaway uh, for you today. Uh, now, our uh, our book today is the book entitled Surprised by Love, The Unexpected Rescue of God's Children. This is a real beauty. Now, this was put together by Elizabeth Talbot. Now, Elizabeth is a wonderful devotional author. Uh, I know for uh, at our home uh, in uh, uh, here in Adelaide, uh, when we... Uh, have our evening evening worship. We're actually uh, uh, reading a devotional book currently that's been put together by the same uh, author, and uh, uh, it's a very powerful. It is an excellent book, and it really touches uh, hearts and lives. This particular one's entitled. Sur- Surprised by love. This is the story of our Creator Redeemer and the greatest love surprise of all time. It surprised Adam and Eve. It surprised the deceitful serpent. It deceived the adulterous woman of John 8. It surprised the Pharisees. It surprised the disciples. It even surprised the heavenly angels and it continues to surprise us today. Surprised by love. Uh, look, this is a, a simple devotional book, but my friends, you will really appreciate Appreciate uh, Elizabeth Talbot's uh, wisdom and understanding in all that she presents. Now, look, if you would like 
the book Surprise by Love, uh, all you need to do is to text us here at the studio. And all you need to uh, uh, remember is the code, and the code is SA38. Now, please don't put a space between uh, uh, SA and the 38. It's just SA38. Unfortunately, this is processed by our, our friend Robot. His name is Faithful. Uh, wonderful little robot. Uh, but he's not the most intelligent robot. You see, if you put a space between the SA and the 38, and he can't understand what we're talking about. So SA38, uh, it's uh, called Surprised by Love. Just send uh, that code, SA38, uh, to our um, text number here at the studio. That number is 04888-80811. That number again is 04888 80811 and just in the uh, space go SA38 and uh, our friend Faithful he'll contact you and ask you for the information that we need uh, so that we can forward this book uh, to you in the fastest possible way I believe you'll greatly enjoy the book Surprised by Love uh, 04 80811 is the uh, is the number uh, for uh, for that particular book now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Eric Hoare and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, this week we're taking as our theme, used and abused is there a place for biblical morality in the third millennium? Yesterday we asked, what are the foundational pillars of biblical morality and today we're asking uh, what is the role is there a role is there a biblical role for family it was a little while ago that i uh, i stumbled across a uh, an article uh, that was entitled the evidence shows family is under attack now this is probably something that today uh, nobody would dispute uh, this is what the article said melanie phillips is a journalist who writes for the times of london uh, one of the greatest newspapers in the world she visited um, our staff here in our office back in 2017 and delivered a public lecture at the Armstrong Auditorium. Now, of course, this comes out of the uh, uh, the United States. Miss um, Phillips began her career by identifying more with the liberal left politically. She still identifies, she says, with true liberal values, like the capacity of human beings to better their society and other classical liberal perspectives. But she saw that the liberal left turn radical before her eyes. She saw writers and editors put their liberal Marxist ideologies ahead of the evidence and ahead of objective facts. Although many characterize her as a political conservative, Phillips says she's simply an advocate for what the evidence does show. Following the evidence led Miss Phillips into somewhat accidentally stumble upon the culture wars. At The Guardian, Miss Phillips wrote about a Britain's family policy. She saw overwhelming evidence that it was in the nation's best interest for families to stay together whenever possible as a general policy. But what did her colleagues say? And in the Guardian Angel, she writes, When I started writing about family breakdown, I was also called an Old Testament fundamentalist. 
At that time, I shrugged this aside as merely a gratuitous bit of bigotry. Much later, however, I came to realise that it was actually a rather precise insult. My assailants had immediately understood something that I did not myself at that time understand, that the destruction of the traditional family had, as its real target, the destruction of biblical morality. Now, you know, Eric, when I, when I read that, I sort of, it set me uh, thinking, you know, and uh, the more I thought about it, the more I actually, uh, uh, actually realized that she probably does have a very, very, uh, valid, uh, valid point there. Now, look, um, let's, let's come, um, you know, come to our study today, you know, According to, I mean, you're a pastor, uh, you work with indigenous people, but I know that you've been a, and you still are the head elder of another church, uh, in, uh, in the Adelaide Hills. I mean, what's your understanding? What is the, uh, biblical role of family? Well, it's, it's really important, Pastor Gary, to start right off and bit right at the beginning, and it's critical to begin with the right understanding about the subject of families, and that is this, that God is for family and God is for you. The Godhead itself is a family, and it is clear throughout Scripture that it's God's desire to extend this family. So while we got it right at the beginning, right at the beginning of creation, we have Father, the Son, God and the Holy Spirit. It's a family, a family unit. You can actually show that in, you know, if you look at the story of creation, you find, um, you find the God being referred to as us, for mm. example. You know, let yes. us make man in our image. Mm. You know, it, it's a repetitious phrase. That's right. And they were all there at the beginning of creation. Yeah. God, yeah. The Holy Spirit hovered over the water. Yeah. God was there and he worked through the sun uh, in that area there as well. So the Godhead is a family and he wants to uh, to spread that uh, kingdom through families. And family begins with a marriage of a man and a woman. Uh, marriage is a God covenant, actually, because when you look at, I'll just give you some text, for instance, that brings out this covenant idea uh, that God, this is God's idea of a marriage. It's found in Genesis uh, chapter 2, and uh, verse 21, and it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one Flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. It's interesting this term here for man in the he in the uh, Hebrew words, because the man is called Ish. Uh, that is the uh, Hebrew word for man, and the woman is called Isha, an, an addition mm. to the to the man. So it's expressed by the similarity of the sounds in Hebrew words. Marriage created a completely new unit of human existence it is to be joined it emphasizes the close unity and goes behind just not just sexual union the term appears in the context of covenants throughout the bible this ish and isha and it's actually a covenant with god a, a ceremony if you like a joining of uh, of two man and woman under the union of god to be present in that marriage it's a covenant 
In other words, the first example that we have of a marriage or a wedding is actually found in the first two and three chapters of the Bible. That's right. It's not just a, an idea that was thought up by someone down the centuries. It, it stems right back to the uh, to the Bible, right in the beginning, the first book. And the permanency of such a covenant is at an age where marriage today is anything but permanent. The, the primary foundation was that this marriage, this union, was to, to last forever under the union of God, a covenant between the two with God. Now, if you go today and go to many, many marriage ceremonies, uh, often they don't even mention the word God now. Yeah, I've been yeah. to many now where uh, run by a celebrant or something, they do not mention God at all. Yeah, as part of yeah, that union. Yeah, yeah. So this is talking right at the beginning of and the And a covenant, marriage. I mean, what, this to me I think is really important here because what we're talking about is that uh, you're saying that uh, the marriage, uh, a marriage in the book of Genesis is actually a covenant. Now, of course, our word for covenant would be a, a, a contract, uh, something that is a contract, but it's not just between two people. It's actually between two people and God Himself. That's right. And you know, you go and you get married, and you sign the register. Yeah. You also have the uh, person that's taken the ceremony sign it. And I believe back then God put all that into place, and He He oversaw it. And if you like, He signed it with them. Yeah. It was His wish, His desire for them to be together. That's why He created them, of course. Yeah. Which is yeah. really important. So that that's that's an understanding that you and I have today. Uh, but today, many people don't see that as part of of the marriage. Yeah. Uh, it, it's completely changed uh, over the years. And like this lady in the article, we're probably thought of as old fuddy duddies, mm. you know. With this, and, but it, it comes straight from scripture. Yeah, that this is the very first instance of that, which is really interesting to me. Uh, and then, if you look at, uh, go on and have a bit further in Genesis one twenty six to twenty eight, adds to that, and it said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. And then in verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So here we see that this union is to multiply. Uh, that's the, the understanding of, of increasing and having a family. Same with the animals. They were male and female. It's, it's interesting that, that you actually bring that out because, uh, here we're actually living in an age now when increasingly, uh, you're hearing that male and female have some, somehow been artificially determined. And yet what we find if we read the Christian scriptures is that way back at the very beginning, it hasn't been artificially determined as some would like to suggest, but rather it's actually been something that's been predetermined by the Creator himself, he intentionally created male and female in order that together uh, they might be a blessing to both each other and to uh, the wider family because, of course, the family becomes the very foundation uh, of society at that point. Mm. And that's correct. And so 
uh, says here that God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God. So what it's saying here too, I think, is that these this couple would have the characteristics of God as well yeah. within that marriage unit. It, yeah. it mentioned before we just talked about, you know, it's not just sex. It's actually having a union, a bond of love that only God, uh, that peace that only God can give the earth. Yeah. Um, and and in that in that beautiful um, scene, we see the first two, Adam and Eve, mm. to be like that, and then they are to have children to increase in number. Uh, actually, it's interesting because Ma- Matthew, the New Testament, talks about that. It's not just Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. Matthew 19.46 says, Haven't you read, he replied, that the beginning the Creator made the male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate, which was in my, it was, was in your um, marriage vows, yes, of yes, course. Yes, yes, That's yes. all part of, yeah. of what it says there. So here it says, instead of being two, they now actually become one in marriage, joined yeah. together by God. Now, this is joined together by God, remember. Uh, so this is right back in the scriptural time here, which is really, really interesting to me. Yeah, no, no, look, look, I really like what you're actually saying there, you know, because what we've got is a, a God who is one. In fact, one of the most beautiful parts of the scripture I find is actually uh, Deuteronomy chapter, chapter six. And I, oh, yes. I love what this is actually, what this actually says. Uh, Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. Um, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. Uh, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your song, with all your strength. Now, of course, that particular uh, passage, that one there is an unusual one because in the original Hebrews, it's actually written in the Plural. Now, of course, in English, we can't have a plural one, but in, um, here in uh, Hebrew, we actually have a plural one. The only other place in the Bible that you get a plural one is actually back in the book of Genesis, uh, when you get Adam and Eve being brought together as one. You know, how is Adam and Eve one? Well, how is, how am I and my, you see, what God has done is created relationship. Mm. You know, look, Eric, we do need to go to some music, but, you know, one of the things I'm just so thankful for is that we actually have a God who wants humanity, who wanted to create male and female. Mm. He wanted them to relate together in relationship. He's established this thing calls family. I, I love what we actually find here presented to us in the scriptures. Look, let's come to some, uh, some music. Uh, this is, uh, Robin Mark. Um, here is love. Beautiful song. Fast as the ocean, loving God. 
have a giveaway book again uh, for you today. The book is entitled Surprised by Love by Elizabeth Talbot, an, a really great uh, author. Now look, if you'd like uh, your copy of Surprised by Love, uh, this is the story of our Creator Redeemer and the greatest love surprise of all time. It did surprise Adam and Eve. It surprised a deceitful serpent. It surprised the adulterous woman of John 8. It surprised the Pharisees. It surprised the disciples. It even surprised the heavenly angels. And it continues to surprise us today. Now look, if you'd like your copy of this devotional book, it's entitled Surprised by Love, uh, then all you need to do is to uh, text us here at the uh, studio. The text number is SA38, uh, no gap between the SA and the 38, and uh, our robot, he'll contact you and get the information that we need to be able to deliver this book in the fastest possible way. Uh, now, if you'd like that book, please uh, just text us here on 04888 that number again is 04888-80811 and uh, we'll get that to you as fast as we possibly can. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Eric Hoare and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're taking as our theme, Used and Abused, Is There a Place for Biblical Morality in the Third Millennium? Yesterday we asked what are the foundational pillars of biblical morality and today we ask what is the biblical role of family now, uh, Eric? You're a you're a father. Uh, you're a grandfather. I think ten or eleven times over now. Uh, tell us, you know, give us some some practice. I mean, take this a little bit more practical as we uh, start to move towards the end of our uh, end of our program. Yeah, there's a very good verse in Psalms um, that we need to look at uh, tonight because there's two essential elements of the family: marriage and parenthood, and Marriage and parenthood reveal God's character like nothing else in creation for the love between a husband and wife flowing down to the family provides a glimpse of Christ's passionate devotion to us as his bride because often in scripture the church is talked about as his bride. 
in a covenant with him. And in the same way, in the ups and downs of parenthood offer a compelling picture of God's tenderness and patience towards us as his children. Look at Psalms 127, 1-5. It says, unless the Lord builds the house. Now, that house is your or my house, Gary. It's the listener's house. This yeah. is what it's saying. Unless yeah. the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They'll not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. But listen to what uh, must happen in the home. What builds the moral character of the home? It says here in Deuteronomy, you were quoting it before, but this is a bit later on, 6, 2 to 9. So that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commandments that I give you. So it may enjoy a long life. And it says a bit further, down in uh, verse 4 onwards it says hear O Israel the Lord your, our God is the Lord is one love the Lord with all your go- heart uh, love the Lord your love your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments I have given you today are in your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So it's saying here that there is something about having God build our house. And by building our house, it means that in that house, uh, we follow what God is saying. In this is training and this education. Is training our children. You know, it's the same as Jesus. It says um, uh, in Luke two fifty two, Jesus grew up in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. Jesus was brought up. That but Eric, way. look, look. Just You're if right. I could just cut in there. Just tell me. I mean, as a, as a father, as a grandfather, how do I practically uh, impart biblical principles to my children? To my grandchildren. Well, how do I do it? Well, I think most of all it's through example. I think um, a lot of um, children today follow the example of their parents, what they see happening within the home and uh, the structure. So, in other words, if we follow Christ, then we must show the children that we have a relationship with Jesus, not just at church. What does that but involve? That in relationships means spending time with someone. Uh, it means spending time with him. Because if you don't spend time with him, you don't develop that relationship you have as a friend. I have friends, and I spend time with them to get yeah. they know us. Yeah. And it's the same with Jesus. We build that, uh, have that time within the home as well as at church. Because if I just took the Bible to church and we talked about it there and I threw the Bible away at home and there's no instruction to the children, as what is saying here, or then... There's something lost here. They don't see the, the continuity of knowing Christ. And through that, through that, we should be changing our character towards our children. They are sons and daughters of Christ. They're not just our children. These are ones that Christ loves 
more, probably more than we do, even though our love How would great. you respond to somebody that might, for example, say, and I've certainly had this say to me, uh, said to me, um, a pastor, look, you know, I'm happy for my child to, uh, a, to, to, you know, to follow a Christian direction, but I'm not going to push them in that direction. I'm get, when they grow up, I'm just going to leave them to have a, a blank slate and I'm just going to leave them to make a decision whether they want that or not for themselves. How would you respond to somebody who, who said that? Well, what do you do in life with anything that's going on? You've got to have boundaries and discipline for character, don't you, outside? So it's the same uh, within the home. Uh, they have choices, but if you don't give them any choice at all, if you don't introduce them to Christ and show them the stories of Christ, I mean, I we have the Bible stories and beautiful stories about uh, uh, Christ for children yeah. that they may learn from those stories. So if they're having Harry Potter, if they're having all those things out there that is just part of the world, and they and they see um, uh, different actors getting up there and, and sports people that they idolise and take that as as a thing, they say that's okay to watch. But then if you introduce something that's you know is going to be beneficial for them. I think as parents we have that obligation and Christ talks about that, about having those family family values so that there's respect in the home between them all, that the love of Christ may shine in the home through yeah. the parents to the child, but it's all through a learning process. And to be quite honest with you, Pastor Gary, I have seen times when it, it's been pushed down children's throat and when they've got older they've rebelled. Yeah. So I think this has to be an understanding time where they have the opportunity to learn all that and um, you know, and go without to, being forced on uh, on them. It's a, it's almost exposing young people, exposing my children to spiritual things is an essential part of uh, of a young person being able to make that decision for themselves later in life. If a person is never exposed to spiritual things, it's a bit. Unrealistic to then turn around and say, "Well, look, I'm going to let them have a free choice once they once they get older mm. uh, and choose something that they've never been exposed to." I mean, yeah. hey, that doesn't happen. And, and yeah, well, that's right. So I think the uh, the argument that you know I don't want to force them into it. Um, you know, I want to have them have their choice. You're giving them no choice to follow Christianity if you don't have any teaching or understanding with that. You are actually giving them only those choices. And yeah. we see that in schools yeah. today where they've taken out um, the belief of creation in many places. So now the only place the they option that, is no longer there no. to be able to critically appraise mm. uh, that which. Uh, uh, is actually a very viable alternative. That's right. And if they don't get that at the school, they've got to have it in the home. Yeah. And that's the only place they'll learn of it or, uh, or, at, ch- or at a church or a, or, a, or a meeting and whatever. Yeah. So I believe that that trust that God gives, that building, uh, to put God in as a union with the family is the one that, that will keep it together, will become one flesh and that the children will follow that idea. And, uh, I mean, there was one time, uh, Pastor Gary, where one of our children didn't want to go to church. It was in around about the 10, 11 age group. And so what we did was we said, look, as a family, we're going to church. But afterwards, you know, if you want to go into the bush, what would you like to do in the afternoon? And, and that, and you know what? He, uh, he, he stayed at that. Now he's, he's, 
he's got his own kids and they're all going to church and he he loves the Lord so much you know yeah. he we wouldn't yeah. give the Lord yeah. away for anything yeah. so you know there could have been a time we said okay you go and do your own thing but we tried to keep it together as a family yeah. and yeah. I think that's what Christ does because a family's under attack you talked about it yeah. being pulled in this and direction so yeah, yeah, yeah. where does a, a family that doesn't have Christ what do they stand on now it's so important to model this in yes. high, I mean myself yeah. and I know we're running out of time yeah. I'm just so conscious of things like for example sitting down and being able to share together in family worship that that yeah. type of thing you know each evening to be able to read something from the scriptures to read one of the children's storybooks uh, to be able to speak together uh, and read something from the scriptures uh, is so powerful as far as modeling Christian belief uh, it is concerned and, now, it, and it's just one last thing it, it, it's just praying together as a family is so powerful and I think that's an extra dimension that as a Christians that we have is praying together as a family so when anything happens to the children I get phone calls from my family pray for us you know and we have a little uh, um, connection on online and we can put it out there that is so important that praying yeah, aspect yeah, as yeah, well yeah. Eric, that's an excellent way. We do need to finish at that at sure. that particular point. Um, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Orr on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be sharing with Pastor David Butcher and we're asking, is biblical morality out of date? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.